0: Hey there. I offer this podcast freely. Your support really makes a difference. To make a donation, visit ReneeMcKenna.com. Welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name is Renee LaValley McKenna, and I bring my 30-plus years as a recovering addict and ex-crazy person turned therapist and shamanic healer to bring you snackable teachings on spirituality, psychology, and all things personal growth. Today... I want to talk about looking deeply. This is a concept that I first discovered when I started to read from the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, probably in the 90s. And I had this incredible opportunity to go on a three-week silent retreat with him. Now, the crazy thing about it is that I didn't know it was a silent retreat. I had read some of his books, and it came up that he was doing this retreat in Vermont. I lived in Boston at the time, so it was super convenient, although people came from all over the world. There were over 400 people at the retreat. We were at the University of Vermont. In fact, he ended up writing a book based on that retreat called The Path of Emancipation, which I believe is still in print. It's a conglomeration of all the Dharma talks that he did and all the different experiences that we had. And the retreat really changed my life. It was at a time when I needed some life changing. It provided exactly what I needed. I was trying to make big decisions and it pushed me in the other direction. It pushed me inward and introduced this concept of mindfulness and looking deeply as the place to begin and perhaps even the place to end. I was reading this morning uh, one of my favorite bloggers, Seth Godin. He's got a great podcast, too. I'll put some links to Thich Han and Seth Godin in the show notes. In the little morning reading, Seth says, Too often we take what we are offered at face value. The Zoom setting on something is determined by someone else. And in our rush to get on to the next thing, we fail to discover what's really going on within. And in this blog post, he shows this amazing 9 billion pixel image of the Milky Way, 84 million stars. It's a composite photo taken by the ESO telescope in Chile. It's pretty amazing. There's a link to that photo as well. Please look at it. It'll blow your mind. We are surrounded by so much complexity. It's really unbelievable. It's hard to grok (laughs) the level of complexity that we're surrounded by. And we can ignore it. We can ignore it because it maybe feels overwhelming or we don't know what to do with it. But I encourage you to look deeply. Look deeply at this photo, zoom and zoom and zoom. I think what it does, now we're looking out, into the universe and the complexity and the mystery and the incredible beauty of the universe, I think it instructs us on the same thing that happens when we're willing to look within. When we're willing to look mindfully within at the incredible complexity of ourselves, the beauty and the mystery that's within us, it's really... Not just an eye-opening, but it's a transformative experience when we look deeply at anything. When I was on retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh, one of the first places that we talked about looking deeply was at food. And we, most of us, unless you have an eating disorder, eat every day. We pay no attention. We're just, again, busy getting on with the next thing. Often, we're looking at our phones, or I know for myself, I'll eat while I'm doing email. So we're on this silent retreat, and eating becomes the only thing we can do. Now, certainly, we can look at each other, and we can smile, but there's no talking. And there's this beautiful prayer on the table about blessing the food and all of the work that went into it. And they taught us actually how to look mindfully, how to eat mindfully, how to look deeply. So there's a funny story. I find out Thich Han's gonna be in the Northeast. The timing works for me. I'm loving the books that I'm reading by him. Living Buddha, living Christ really had a profound effect on me. And so I just sign up, which I often do. I don't look into things. <laughs> I'll just jump off the cliff if I think that the water looks good. So here I go. I'm just going to do this thing, and I get up to this retreat. I'm very excited. It's a beautiful place. They do this introduction with us, and they tell us this is a silent retreat. And I'm like, what? A silent? Now, I don't know a lot about silence. I'm better at it now, but at that point, I had never been silent in my life. (laughs) It's not completely silent. So we get to talk for like three hours a day from I think one to four in the afternoon every day. Oh, wow. Just even the idea of being silent was such a totally different concept for me. It kind of freaked me out, actually. I have to say, on the other end of it, it was one of the most profound and life changing experiences I've ever had. It was amazing to really be present with this... Of course, we were in this beautiful place too, right? To really be present, we practiced all this different kinds of being present, which they call mindfulness. We walked mindfully. Everybody was walking around really slowly, feeling their feet on the ground. We all looked kind of weird. Eating mindfully and Being with each other, that was the thing. You know, they showed us that you didn't have to just be awkward if you can't talk to people. We would put our hands kind of in prayer position and we would nod to each other. I found out I could write notes to people and I like to make people laugh. So I would write like silly notes and try to make people laugh while we were meditating and stuff (laughs) because I'm kind of naughty like that. What ended up happening that was so cool was I feel – that was probably my first – Experience of my authentic self, which is kind of central to all the work that I do now. By the end of the retreat, I found myself spontaneously like wanting to make art and wanting to make people laugh. I was doing yoga outside every morning. One morning, I was doing yoga outside and they had this balloon fest, and these, it was sunrise and these beautiful colored like the kind of balloons, like around the world in 80 days with a basket. These beautiful colored balloons like came out like magic. I It was amazing. Off of the horizon, these balloons are floating mindfully across the sky while I'm doing yoga on this lawn. It was, it was a pretty amazing thing. Silent retreat. If you're going to go on a silent retreat, find out ahead of time if it's silent. Otherwise, you're going to have anxiety like I did. But I guess it gave me something to practice about so <laughs> things work out. You get what you need, even if you don't know it. Anyway, the idea of mindfulness is really being completely present, being completely present, again, with this complexity and all that's available to us. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about that as all these sources of joy that we can enjoy our breathing, just breathing in. And breathing out can be an enjoyable experience, that we get to do it. Because someday, no one gets out of here alive, someday we aren't going to be breathing anymore. Or what about people who have difficulty breathing? And to really deeply embrace and appreciate and experience the things that we take for granted, starting with breathing, which we do every few seconds, and eating, which we do every day, And looking deeply is beyond basic mindfulness. So basic mindfulness would be to experience all of the sensations that go with any given moment, to really feel my body sitting on the chair. Right now I'm talking to a microphone to feel the headphones on my head, feel the clothing that I'm wearing on my body and the temperature of the air and notice the quality of the light. And in eating mindfully, we would be really tasting the food, feeling the texture of the food in our mouth, taking a moment to smell it and feel the temperature of the cup in our hand or the the fork between our fingers and what is it like to press down with the knife to cut something? And how do things feel as we swallow them? And do we notice how they feel in our body? So it's about really coming present with all these sensations that we have available to us all the time. You know, I'm really over and over again seeing in all the different teachings that that I continue to learn from that this idea that life is consciousness experiencing itself, that God is everything, and that creation is about the relationship or the experience of God experiencing itself in all these different forms. There's a whole lot we could say about that, but for ourselves to really experience life can be a spiritual practice. And it certainly can be emotionally and mentally healing and stimulating, very grounding, just to be really present with what is. Our minds are almost always in the past or the future, very rarely with what is right now. When we move past mindfulness or the next phase of mindfulness into looking deeply Looking deeply is to contemplate as you might when you look at this amazing ESO photo of the Milky Way, but you can do it when you're drinking your coffee or eating your lunch or sitting in the sun, that what is actually happening here? And what is it that has gone into everything that I'm experiencing right now? And so when we were on this retreat, We were eating vegetarian, so it makes it actually much more peaceful to look deeply at the food. To follow what the food actually is, in eating, say, a salad, first there's all this work that went into preparing the salad because we were being served. All the people who put their hands on the food and cut it lovingly and prepared this meal for us, if there's dressing on the salad, that was prepared somewhere. People had to drive the ingredients probably from a farm to a store, from a store to wherever things are being prepared. There was work that went into packaging it at some point probably. There was work that went into planting the vegetables. And they may have been planted in vastly different places. Some of them may have even been shipped in from other countries. Farmers tended those vegetables. Those vegetables grew in the earth with the sun and the water and the nutrients and the seed. And there was a parent plant. And that and that the fruits and vegetables that we consume, the food that we consume, actually holds the energy of the sun and the rain and the earth within it. That we are actually taking in the sun and the rain and the earth when we eat. And that there's this cycle, and then later in the day or the next day, that we're going to expel what our body hasn't used back into the earth. And that we're part of this really incredibly complex cycle of taking in and expelling or putting out just like we breathe in and breathe out every moment. To think about the interconnectedness, Thich Nhat Hanh calls it interbeing, that we are so deeply connected physically with the world in ways that we're unconscious of most of the time. Even just to think about breathing in and breathing out, what are we breathing in? We're breathing in oxygen that's been created by plants mostly, all kinds of inert gases that have come from other places in the universe, dust and all kinds of different things that we take in in our body processes. Then we breathe out carbon dioxide and other things and that the plants take that back in, that there's this conversation that we're having, and most of us never think about that. We're in constant conversation with the biosphere by breathing in and breathing out. In fact, we can only live a few minutes if we don't do it. To really be mindful of that, to look deeply into that, and and our incredible connection with the trees and plants that most of us probably never even consider. I'm into Thich Nhat Hanh today. He has a beautiful place in the south of France called Plum Village, which is his, I don't think he calls it an ashram, but it's his monastery where his monks and nuns live. And someday I do hope to get there. He's still there. He had a stroke a few years ago. I believe he's lost the ability to speak, but they stay. He's still breathing mindfully. Of course they'd say that anyway. But Tiknetan had the opportunity to talk with Oprah. She loves him, as I do. Oprah asked him about mindfulness, and she said, "What if in a moment of mindfulness, you're being challenged? For instance, the other day, someone presented me with a lawsuit. And it's hard to feel happy when someone is going to be taking you to court. And Thich Nhat Hanh replies, the practice is to go to the anxiety and go into the worry. And Oprah says, the fear, the first thing that happens is the fear sets in like, what am I going to do? And Thich Nhat Hanh replies, so you recognize that fear. You embrace it tenderly. You look deeply into it. And as you embrace your pain, you get relief, and you find out how to handle that emotion. And if you know how to handle the fear, then you have enough insight in order to solve the problem. The problem is to not allow that anxiety to take over. When these feelings arise, you have to practice in order to use the energy of mindfulness to recognize them, embrace them look deeply into them. It's like a mother when the baby is crying. Your anxiety is your baby. You have to take care of it. Of course, as a therapist, the idea of looking deeply into our feelings is really a profound practice that I find incredibly helpful, both for myself and with the people that I work for. That when we can really be Deeply in the present moment, first of all, a lot of times we realize that what life is actually presenting us right now is okay. Generally, in the present moment, we're okay. You might take a moment right now and really ground yourself where you are. Notice where your feet are, notice your breath, and take a moment and just really notice whether you're in the car or at work or you're in your home or outside, really be present with where you are and what's happening and see if your feelings can match the reality of what's actually happening right now. Generally, the present moment, everything is okay. So we can come back to that again and again. But that doesn't necessarily address our unresolved emotional feelings and our unresolved suffering that most of us are being driven by. And when we can come from that place of presence and look deeply, be willing to be deeply present with ourselves, be deeply present with the wounded parts of ourselves and the brilliant parts of ourselves and the ambitious parts of ourselves or the fearful parts of ourselves, when we can really make room For all of who we are from a place of compassion, then the seeds of the answers to our suffering present themselves because that's what the universe does. It's always here to meet us. There is so much help available if we can be present and open to receive it. And we can only do that in this moment right now. Blessings on your path. Until we meet again, this is Renee Lavalle McKenna It's Spiritual Psychology. Today's episode was a throwback that I found in my files and wanted to share. Please know that Thich Nhat Hanh passed away in January of 2022 after this episode was recorded.